We're going to move right, right along to the next panel, promoting audio description in national parks, performing arts venues, museums, and educational settings. So Denise Decker, come on down. Join us. Kim is going to stay put. Tom Conway is going to join us. And Susan Glass is going to join us. Okay, let's move on. Who just asked if you know a child that has a parent? We're moving on. That wasn't me, that was Tom. That was So, good afternoon, everybody. I'm Denise Decker, and as Joel mentioned, uh, our next exciting panel is to discuss audio description in national parks, uh, venues also that include museums and educational settings. I have the privilege of co-chairing our audio description subcommittee on national parks and museums, and we're a pretty passionate committee. Uh, I could tell you a lot about that, but in the interest of time, what I want to do is give our panelists the opportunity to speak. So uh, briefly, an overview of, um, of what will take place on this panel. We will be having Kim Charlson, of course, our current ACB president, uh, also director of the Perkins Library. I don't know how Kim does all of what she does and, and work at the same time, but um, Kim will talk to us about the, uh, the certification process for uh, audio describers that uh, the committee has been looking into. And we also have Dr. Tom Conway from the University of Hawaii and their center, uh, he's the media, media coordinator there at the Center for Disability Studies at the University of Hawaii at Manoa. And they have been active in uh, not only the UNID project, which Tom will talk more about in terms of an accessible app for national parks, but also in making park service brochures um, more, more accessible. We on, uh, well, the overall AD steering committee, as well as our national parks and museum subcommittee, we've had uh, a wonderful working relationship with the National Park Service, particularly Michelle Hartley and the work that she and the Harper's Ferry Center has been doing consistently to, to make parks accessible, both through audio description and through 
uh, maps and other means of access. And then last but not least, we have Susan Glass, who is a longtime consumer of audio description, as am I. And Susan will be talking to us about the Beatty Contest, which gives uh, students and young people the opportunity to write about what audio description means to them. And I often say, I wish we had that when I was younger. That, that's such a fabulous opportunity for, for these, these young people. So in the interest of time, I want to turn it over to our panelists, our, our experts, uh, because they have some, some great information to elaborate on for you. So uh, Kim, did you want to start? If you'd like me to start, I'll be happy sure. to do that. Um, and you All right, like so I am part of this panel because we wanted to have a place where we could provide you with an update about the issue of certification for audio description. And we've been talking about this for several years, and the ADP has been working on this topic, and we've made a lot of progress in the past year. Uh, we did presentations last summer, and we really came through those presentations talking to audio describers, hundreds of describers, having some open forums, um, what I would call town hall-like teleconference meetings where describers could come in and we could talk about, you know, what, what would you be looking at if you thought that audio description as a profession should have a, the opportunity to be certified and have a certification credential to show that you have the skill sets required to, um, to do the job because the, the field started out pretty much as a voluntary kind of service, you know, in the, the late, um, in, the, in the 1980s, into the 90s. Um, but it's changed so much and developed and grown so much. And now with so many industry players wanting to get described content produced, they want to be able to hire trained, qualified, experienced describers. But, you know, there, there isn't a place necessarily except the school of hard knocks and, and life to get that experience right now um, and, and to garner that experience and how do you show that credential and that you have those skills and that you've, you've described 50 or 60 or 100 um, audio described shows, movies, um, educational content, PowerPoint presentations, museum exhibits, whatever the, the type of description is. So we really talked a lot about description as a professionalizing and certifying. And we garnered the attention of the Academy for Certification of Vision Rehabilitation and Education Professionals, which is ACVREP. And that's what I'm going to call them from now on. And that's um, an organization that does produce and develop professional certifications in the blindness field. They have done um, COMS, which you all have probably heard of, Certified ori Orientation and Mobility Instructors. CADIS, Certified Assistive Technology Instruction Specialist. Um, CVRT, Certified Vision Rehabilitation Therapist. So they have credentials and experience in developing certification. 
and they have invested in, in audio description and are putting their funding of about sixty to $65,000 to develop this certification over the next 18 to 24 months um, to do this. So how did we get started? We um, put out a call to interested individuals who could who, who wanted to work on this, the certification development process, and we ended up coming up with a what's called a subject matter expert committee. has about 20 people on it, um, give or take, I think that's pretty close. And so these are all people who had sent in, um, you know, a, a fairly rigorous application process. Um, I even had to, uh, you know, submit all this, these papers and documents and, and show my experience in the field as a consumer and, an, and a, a consultant and all those kind of things. So the describers really had to put together, um, you know, their experience. Um, it was reviewed by ACVRAP and selections were made. And so the subject matter expert committee um, as a whole will be working farther down the road to, to bring this certification to its conclusion. But right now we're working as a group, two groups. We've split into two subcommittees. Um, the Body of Knowledge Subcommittee, which um, is chaired, co-chaired, both, both these committees are co-chaired. And Body of Knowledge is co-chaired. Um, by Deb Fells and Joel Snyder. Um, so they are the chairs, and there's like six or eight others on the committee. And then the other subcommittee of the um, subject matter experts is the scope of practice. And each of our subcommittees right now is developing um, sort of the, the plan for how we're going to proceed over the next... Um, you know, 18 months developing a body of knowledge. I have to say, body of knowledge to me feels easier than scope of practice, but um, maybe Joel would disagree, but he's got body of knowledge, so he's, he's fortunate. Um, so uh, what do you think we do in body of knowledge? We identify and are identifying all the skills that we believe are essential in order to be an audio describer. And, and what do we think needs, you know, what do we need to include in that process? So it's, you know, the fundamental things you need to know. Um, you know, obviously things like reading and writing would be, per, you know, pretty important, but um, just all those different skill sets. And, and we're doing the same thing in the, in the scope of practice, talking about, you know, what skills should you be able to do? You know, should you be able to... <clears throat> look at a look at a script or edit a script or those kinds of skills um, so we have to pull all that together because down the road um, if you have a certification process what you have to do is have some way to assess the people who are going to apply so we're going to have to create um, an examination process a test um, and that'll be a it'll be a multi faceted test. It probably will have some multiple choice questions. It'll have, you know, a, a portfolio you have to prepare. It'll have a lot of different aspects 
to it, but we have to prepare that, and we have to make sure we cover everything and we test appropriately, and then it has to be vetted and determined that it's a valid test and all those processes. So um, somehow in all of this process, as I work through this, I ended up becoming appointed as the chair of the entire subject matter expert committee. So I sort of oversee the entire process, both subcommittees. Um, I'm part of both of them. So instead of just having one, I get to go to two subcommittees. So, um, <laughs> and uh, that process will go on for a while. And, uh, but that's an explanation of kind of where we have come with certification. And that's um, really a huge jump um, for us, and, and ACB has really taken the lead in this and should be incredibly proud of the work that we have done with the um, audio description project. And we started that out as, as a subcommittee of our ADP, and it's now evolved into to this entire effort with all kinds of people, an international scope, um, and our ADP certification committee, we've kind of put it on hiatus for the time being because several people from that group are now involved in the, um, in the process with ACVRAP. So more to come next year probably on this topic and where we are then. So thank you. Thank you, Kim. Yes, thank you. I think we really need to be proud of, of what we've done uh, on, on the AD committee uh, in general in terms of, of looking at standards and looking at processes that can be followed to ensure that description isn't just um, topsy-turvy and whatever anybody wants it to be. And as I think back over the years and how this process has involved, uh, has evolved, though Obviously, we say we have a way to go, and that and that's true. Uh, I think we really need to be proud of, of, of what we've accomplished and, and the standards that we're working toward creating. So now let me turn it over to Tom Conway, Dr. Tom Conway from the U University of Hawaii to talk with us about the work that they have been, they have been doing in the Center for Disability Studies. All right, thank you. Um, when I was first approached by the National Park Service, actually it was through uh, Dr. Brett Opegard, who received an award early this morning, uh, we were asked to try to figure out a way to find an alternative format for the park, U.S. National Park Service brochures. I thought, well, what, what, what ideas do you have? So Brett and Michelle had originally started talking about um, either trying to, they wanted to do actually a mobile app of it, and they wanted to be able to have, you know, 435 different sites, all audio described of their brochures. Now, my background had been mainly in accessible websites and digital content, so when they first started talking about audio description, my first reaction was, oh, you're going to be making movies of this. You're going to be making videos of this. They said, no, that's not what we're going to be doing. We're going to be doing describing all the images. So my next reaction was, oh, you mean alternate text, alternative text. But of course, when we looked at the brochures, that's not what it was about. The brochures are conveying a lot of information through images. They've reduced the amount of text on it. And we also wanted to make it a more engaging and lively experience for someone who 
wanted to get the same type of information and experience that everyone else was getting from accessing the brochures. So then Brett and I started breaking down the content of a brochure and started trying to figure out a way to, you know, provide a, a more meaningful way of describing the images that were being brought into a park brochure. Now, if any of you have ever engaged with a park brochure, there's a lot of different information they're trying to put on two pieces of paper, you know, one side and back side. Uh, one option was just to describe the brochure, you know, from left to right, and we decided that was probably not the optimal way for someone to experience a brochure. Um, the other thing, uh, when I was brought in, I really, I pretty much suggest that you need to bring in an end user right away. People are going to be using the material to give us feedback, not just on the accessibility of the app, the mobile app or the website, but also on what the description is. What, what, do, what information does a person who's going to be using this want? They want little information or they want a lot of information. So one of the first things we did was bring in an ACB chapter from Hawaii. We had, uh, brought him in on one of our training sessions. So the next challenge was, you know, are we going to be doing all the audio description of the 435 brochures on things we don't really know about? So we made the conscious decision of bringing in the park service personnel from all the various sites, and we're going to train them remotely. So that um, is a challenge unto itself. So we had to approach this, how are we going to best, you know, number one, start defining what is a quality audio described image for the brochures, and two, how do you train somebody in a couple of days, you know, to do, produce a quality audio description. So as we were doing training the park personnel, you know, we, thankfully we had the ACB to come in and be judges on the quality of the audio description. That made a huge difference in how the people who were training learned how to do appropriate audio description of the different images. Now, a, a brochure is a, actually has a lot of different complex images on it. It's not just in an image supplementing a text. There, typically there are images of animals, there's flora, there's artifacts, there's um, historical images, there's illustrations, uh, historical image illustrations, and one of the more complex issues was maps. So a park brochure, people are coming into it, we're trying to do uh, you know, an effective alternative of, of the, the printed piece, so we wanted to make sure that we included a very good description of maps. Now, Believe it or not, there are a lot of different ideas on what a quality map should be. So we were able to you know, test out a few things and get feedback on it, because everybody had a different idea of what they thought a map should be. Should it be just information on what the park looks like? Should it be a way should I can navigate through the park? And also, the way the maps were made by the park service and selected was also a, a bit of a challenge. They were using different types of maps, and they also had different ideas. The other challenge was we wanted to make sure that when we were training the person, park personnel on um, learning how to auto-describe, one of the other reasons was is the information on the brochures changes. And one of the feedback we were getting is that although at some of the parks they were being offered, you know, large text images of the brochures, a lot of times the things were out of date. So we wanted to make sure that we have almost real-time updates of the brochure through our, through our application. So getting people to 
do something in a structured and mannered way. It was replicable, so if somebody's going through one brochure in California and they want to go visit a park in, let's say, New York or Florida, that it would be something that they would, they would using our app, they would know what to expect. So it was also structuring how everything was laid out within the application. So that was uh, our big challenge. Um, we've had about four of these trainings. We're having another one um, coming up next month. So I just wanted to let you know that it's been, um, we really have appreciated the ACB being a part of the, the experience and being able to um, give feedback and also um, give us advice on how best to approach um, developing these applications. Um, that's all I have to say. Well, thank you, Tom. And as, as you can see, the, the process is complicated. It's, it's not simply just taking a brochure and making it accessible, but it's how to meet the needs of, every, uh, of the feedback givers and those who will be using the information. And, and obviously, um, not all needs will be met, but we do our best to meet uh, the, the majority of needs, and that's what Tom and Dr. Obergaard have been, been working on, and we're grateful to them for the work that they've done. So, Susan, again, last but not least, Susan Glass comes to us from California, and Susan has been very active with the Beatty program, and we're looking forward to hearing uh, what you have to tell us about that program, Susan. Thank you so much, Denise. Uh, Beatty stands for Benefits of Audio Description in Education. Now, I'm, a, I'm throwing down, I need a challenge, I need to issue a challenge. We would really prefer this to be baddie because all kids want to be baddies. And if you can come up with another D that fits our acronym, we really want to do this. <clears throat> the Beatty Contest, Benefits of Audio Description in Education, is a partnership between ACB, American Council of the Blind, and DCMP, the Described and Captioned Media Programs. DCMP's director, CEO, is Jason Stark, lovely man, and he and Joel Snyder have been partnering together for years to help kids uh, uh, become film critics, if you will, but not so much critics of the content for films, but of the audio description that is provided in the films. DCMP makes educational videos for children, and they are audio described, and their purpose, of course, is to uh, benefit students who might have visual impairments, might have hearing impairments, might have um, perhaps learning disabilities where really hearing description and making those associations are important. But we don't limit our Beatty contest only to educational films, although because of the partnership we, we love to emphasize that. We have formed a task force consisting of Joel Snyder, Jason Stark, uh, myself, and several other ACB members, some of whom are in this room, and each year using the wonderful, generous support of, of DCMP's website, we announce a contest, and this is a contest that goes out to school-aged children, maybe seven to 21, um, who are blind and visually impaired, and we invite them to try their hand at writing a film review in which they 
review or critique the audio description in that particular film. We provide guidelines for writing the review, the who, what, when, where, how, why. We encourage students to avoid too much plot summary. We tell them to talk about what they liked about the describing and to give examples of what they liked about the describing and what they might like improved in the describing. This happens, the contest launches usually at the very beginning of September and culminates at the end of December. Students working with their teachers of visually impaired uh, and their parents are encouraged to submit their applications online at the DCMP website. Uh, they can also uh, send them directly to Dr. Snyder uh, through, through our audio description program and portal. And then what happens is that we read the essays, we on the task force read the essays, and we come up with uh, some winners. And we have criteria for winners, and it depends, of course, on the grade level. The, the student essays, um, basically, it's uh, seven to 10-year-old or, or freshman category. We have a sophomore category. Um, you know, And we don't mean freshman, sophomore in high school. We sort of grade this if, according to how old you are in school and um, how old your, you know, what your cognitive development uh, might be. So we have three graduated or graded categories and one uh, non-graded category for essays. And students enter in those categories and our, our task force reads and selects the winners. The grand prize winner for the last three years um, has been able to um, take home um, an iPod, right? iPod, iPad, I always get iPad mini, thank you, Mr. So I always get my toys mixed up, you know? It just um, comes from being disorganized, I think. Um, and, um, and then we have uh, our first and second and uh, uh, our second and third place winners who receive um, gift certificates um, and their teachers also receive uh, gift certificates to purchase educational materials that they might uh, like or desire for their classrooms. Um, and we make a big announcement about this through ACB leadership. We like to put it in the forum. Um, we call the school teachers and let them know and let their students know. And in some cases, we've actually been able to uh, invite our winners. Uh, the first year that Beatty launched, our winner was a lovely um, high school senior and uh, from Nevada, and she was able to come to the ACB general session and read her winning essay to us. Um, and last year's uh, winner um, came to the mid-year session and read his essay to us. My dog is down here moaning, and I just don't stop it, child. <laughs> yeah, I know, I think that's what it is. Um, our, our winner this year was a young man from the Virginia, um, West Virginia School for the Blind, um, John Alexander Holstein, and he reviewed two educational video, uh, videos, Snowflake Bentley and Voyage to Mars, and did a very nice, um, he did very nice reviews of those and compared and contrasted some of the audio description, and we just thought that was really wonderful. Uh, a young man, Townsend Stemple, was our winner uh, the previous year, and he was able to come to our mid-year session, 
and read his essay to people and talk to the people present, the ACB members present, about what it was like to be a young film, film critic and to write his review. And uh, as Denise was saying, I wish this had been around when, when I was a kid because it's always fun to win contests and it's always fun to be think of yourself as a writer and all those great things. Um, and so we on the Beatty Task Force are looking to all of you as we move into 2019 to help us publicize our contest, help us identify schools for the blind, public schools, public institutions where blind children are able to access film and help us um, help us tell them about the contest, get their teachers involved. We need more publicity. We need more rep uh, representation from all around the country. And uh, if you can help with that, we would be so grateful. Um, and we would be delighted to welcome a few more task force members, I think, as well. So if you're interested in serving on the Beatty Task Force, um, we have telephonic uh, phone conferences uh, every month or so, and, and the, the busiest part of the year is September through December as we launch our contact, contest, and then in January when we decide our award winners, things might slow down a little bit, but we're hoping that as our publicity efforts increase and do better, we will in fact uh, be able to be busier for more of the year. Um, I believe that's everything I have to say, uh, unless uh, someone here can think of something I left out. So, well, thank you so thank you much. Very much. Thank you so much, Susan. Please, let's give our panelists a round of applause. As Susan says, audio description is everyone working together, so we need all of you uh, to serve as our advocates along with us, get the word out. Uh, it's AD, our, our title of our panel is Making AD Work, and that means uh, we're all making AD work, we're pulling together resources, we're using feedback, um, and we're serving as advocates. It's an ongoing process, but it's a, it's a fun process, and look at all the, the achievements we've made in just a few short years. So I'd like to ask at this time, if uh, there are some questions, I think, Joel, we have a, a few minutes oh, for yeah, questions, yeah. right? Um, if there are some questions, um, since I do not see, you just feel free to speak up, or maybe Joel can help me sure, um, sure, identify sure. hands. So Liz can take one of the microphones. Okay. Give, no, hold on to that. Okay, sure. Any questions? Comments? Oh. There we, we go. We need comments. Thank you. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, you guys, for being on the panel. I really am excited about the work that each of you are doing. Um, I, I think I learned about the UniD project um, from Apple Biz Podcast, <laughs> and so I downloaded the app, and I've been just going on there, just looking at everything, and I really enjoy it, um, and it's been a really good experience, and I, I think the only thing I was trying to figure out on there was when you're describing certain things, I didn't know if there were, for people who are like low vision, we can use magnification to see like any of the scenery that you're describing. I didn't know if there was any pictures that might be able to be included. And um, the other thing that might be good for um, 
that was really great for me, and I don't know if, if both of you guys would be great for a project, but the National um, Park Service um, in D.C., we, they did a, a tactile, oh, not, I'm sorry, <laughs> multi-sensory tour of the Roosevelt Island in D.C., and, it was, and they brought out some um, other people from the Park Service to come, and it was a really great experience, and I was thinking that would be great how you can implement that with, like, children and, and things like that. So, um, but thank you guys so much for being a part of it, and I love the app, and uh, thank you. Thank you. Any comments from our panelists? I'm sorry, Would you identify, would you say your oh, name? Oh, sure, please? hi, my name is Rachel Abbott, and I'm from the Washington, D.C. area. Yeah, I just wanted to address some of the things about the, the app. Um, the, the Park Service had a few constrictions uh, on, on what we could put onto it. Um, the app that we designed is actually can be have photographs included. The problem the Park Service had was with copyright issues of the photographs. So quite literally, there are like thousands of different types of agreements they have on concerning the photographs. And most of them were one-time rights for the brochure itself. And so just in the interest of expediency, they just said, well, for, for our purposes right now, we will, will not have any photographs included. However, our app is an open source app. It has been designed that you can add, if you do it yourself, you can add photographs. You can also add videos. I, I did a program for a disability um, film festival and I actually added in the, the videos right into the app itself. So it is possible to do it, but the, the, uh, the National Park Service had, like I said, some restrictions. That also includes the synthesized voices. Um, we get a lot of comments about that. That was also another concern um, about the um, being able, having some sort of copyright uh, issue with it. So I hope I answered your question. Thank you. And do we have any? Additional. Hi, this is Chris Snyder. Um, just a couple of observations. The certification process uh, sounds extensive. I hope. Um, I hope that uh, there's talk of how much interpretation in description is warranted versus objectivity, um, because I think that's an important distinction. Um, and uh, in regards to the National Park Service, uh, that it is a fantastic app, and thank you for your efforts on that. And um, uh, I'd like to see. Do, I don't know if the in regard to your your just recent comment about the photographs um, being an option for someone to take. Is there a way that they can then alt tag that and 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 describe it, or does the park want to do, you know, the park service want to do that once the photo is uploaded, et cetera? Yeah, they, they basically, when we first started doing the thing, I wanted to have the photographs in it. They, they are very strict about it. Now, once the app has been developed and downloaded, it, it's pretty much, you can't go in and, and change the content yourself. Um, however, like I said, we have developed a back-end program for people developing their own audio description, and you can feel free to add any photographs or any other type of media you wish. 
a binaural tour uh, of some of the parks if, if people are, are interested in, in doing that kind of thing might be an interesting addition. Yeah, we're, we're looking at expanding the, the, app, the parts of the app to go beyond just the brochures. We, we've had discussions with the wayside um, developers at the park service. We're also looking at uh, vendors who are at the different sites um, for um, doing audio description of what, what they have for, um, for sale. Um, other aspects of, of the park. Uh, it's just not just the brochure. Uh, we're just trying to sort of meet the, the minimum um, you know, requirements of the Park Service at this point. Just getting up to the 435 brochures is going to be <laughs> a challenge into itself. Um, just so you know, it, it's taken us already almost you know, four and a half years to get up to just 70. So it's, 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 a, it's a big challenge. It's ongoing. Um, we are looking at other applications for using the app. Uh, I hope I answered your question. Yeah. Okay, thank you. And I'll just comment on your first comment, Chris, about objectivity and subjectivity in, in the description process. And absolutely, that was probably one of the first things that, that came out was, you know, say, say what you see and, and value judgments and, you know, we need to be objective about this, the subjectivity, you know, needs to be parked in the back and, and all those kinds of things that all of us have known for a long time. But we did talk all that through and that will be definitely um, part of the process. And, and figuring out how to assess that yeah. is, is a challenge because, you know, we're probably going to have to create some images and then, you know, there's going to be an opportunity for someone to describe them as part of the exam. And then we're going to see what, what <laughs> how well they remember the, the fundamental rule of description, right? Yes. Objectivity yeah. versus subjectivity when they write that, their description for those, those images that we'll create as part of the examination. It's so. particularly, I'm sure you know, egregious in uh, certain international markets. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm trying to be nice. Yes. Um, <laughs> it, can yeah. be, it can be a little too much, you know. I'm hoping oh. that, you know. You'd, you don't want to be told that they're happy? Oh, I don't want to be told. The, the latest one <laughs> I heard was... Didn't you know they're happy? She puts her hands on her knees trying to think what to do. <laughs> oh, and I about okay. lost it. Ah, it's different. Okay. Yeah, it, it's... Um, <laughs> good point. All righty. Any um, any remaining uh, questions or comments, or perhaps our panelists want to share uh, an additional word or two? Um, I hope I pronounce it right. Is it ba the ba beta puck? Baddies, baddie. Okay, for the baddie project. Um, is it open for like low vision blind students to, to do it? Um, because I, the reason why I was asking is um, I am going to a, a conference where they're going to be having um, like a, a lot of like low vision um, children in the grade school level. And I was just wondering how I could provide your information to them, whether they're going to be from like various states. Um, so thank you. Absolutely. Um, is this Rachel again? Yes, this is yeah, Rachel. Again. You, I'm you, sorry, I forgot you, I was supposed to. No, it's okay. You. you and it's Susan speaking to you. You and I should talk um, okay. and and do some email exchange today. And okay. um, 
Um, maybe you'd even like to serve on our task force with us. That'd be great. I'd <laughs> but love but to. yes, we can get this information. Um, this you're ex you are reaching to exactly the the young people we wish to uh, invite. Yes. Yeah, it's only open to people, kids, students who are low vision or blind. Thank you, Dan. Yeah, Dan says DC. MP.org is a great start uh, describing caption media program. Uh, specifically, their section called Listening is Learning. And actually, Rachel, that's more precise than what I'm giving you because the, the whole description of the application is up there. I'd love to correspond with you anyway, but that's the best tip you've gotten. <laughs> oh, sure. Well, um, moderator's privilege, I want to thank Joel for his leadership and thank Dan Spoon for his leadership on the steering team. And it's been a privilege working with uh, all of you on the panel. And thanks to Jolyn, who I always enjoy working with. So let's give everybody one more round of applause. Thanks, everybody. And thank you, audience, for being here.